I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. Tonight we're going to talk about Jesus and Nicodemus. So this is uh, part of a series I'm trying to put together in my studies and share with you on encounters with Christ. Of course, last time we talked about uh, Luke chapter 15 and the, the parable of the lost son. Uh, the encounter was Jesus encountering this, uh, this uh, scribe or this lawyer, and then the questions they had led to, to the uh, occasion for that, for that parable. But here... Uh, this evening, I want to talk about Jesus and Nicodemus and the discussion that they have in uh, John chapter 3. So you might open your Bible to John chapter 3. We'll be mostly in that text, but with a little bit of other things as well. <clears throat> and I'll have this the Bible text on the screen as well for you to follow along. And I think what we'll encounter here in our, in our lesson is a faith journey, and we're all on a faith journey, but we'll see with Nicodemus this progression from darkness to light, from doubting to believing, and from timidity, being timid, to being bold, and from the old life to the new birth. And we might not see all of the aspects that we want to see in the story with Nicodemus, but uh, that may be part of the story. It's a little bit ambiguous as we go through this. Um, but, of course, we want to try to see ourselves in this story and, and figure out, well, where are we in this journey? And, and how, what lessons can we derive from this to grow closer to God? So let's actually begin. I said John chapter 3, but let's look at the, the end of John chapter 2. And let's read from there. Uh, John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, to get our context. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they, when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So we have here our, our context leading up to our conversation with Nicodemus, but Jesus uh, has been performing miracles, or as, as John likes to refer to them as signs, signs that show that he is who he says he is. He's the Son of God. <clears throat> and here uh, we see that many people are believing him as a result of these signs. They're getting the sense, oh, this is evidence for, for who he is, and they're believing. And we're given this clue at the end of this passage here where Jesus knows what is in man. He can perceive our thoughts. And of course, we've as students of the Bible, we've seen that in other, other occasions where, where Jesus is able to, to understand what someone's thinking without them saying. They're thinking within themselves, and he's realizing it and responding, even though they hadn't said it out loud. And so we'll see him do this here with Nicodemus in the following verses here as we begin to look at chapter 3. So let's look at chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, 
we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So if we imagine Nicodemus coming to visit Jesus at night and recognizing that he's a, a Pharisee, he's said to be a ruler, probably were to understand he's part of the Sanhedrin, the, the council of leaders and elders there in Jerusalem leading the Jewish people. And the, the fact that he comes by, by night, a lot, have been, a lot has been said as, as I've studied this, you know, some have suggested, well, uh, teachers are busy in the day, and so they have to go by night to have a chance to really talk. Um, that might be. Uh, some have said that he's afraid of the other Jewish leaders knowing what he's doing. That probably makes more sense. But it's also, as you read John in particular, John has this theme of darkness and light. And so I think this is him using that as part of what we're to recognize and that's why I brought up in the beginning, it's this movement from darkness to light. So, of course, he's, he's come to Jesus, the light, right? Jesus is the light of the world. But he's come at night. And this, I think, speaks to something about where Nicodemus is in his, in his faith journey. But yet he recognizes that Jesus is a rabbi, a teacher. He, he's acknowledging him. He seems to be respectfully addressing him. Uh, a lot of times we see these encounters where they're testing him and this sort of thing, but it seems that Nicodemus is a, is truly seeking some some answers to some questions he has. But but what question does Nicodemus ask here in the verses we just looked at? There was no question, was there? He's just saying, "I know you come from God, and and you know you're doing these signs, and so I know you're from God." But there's not really a question. But yet Jesus knows what is in his heart. So John 3, 3, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus often speaks in parables, and, and I don't know that this is a parable per se, but he uses figures of speech to test his hearers, to see if they're listening with spiritual ears. And so uh, some translations will translate this, unless one is born from above, rather than born again. And so the, the word Jesus uses here actually can mean both or either. Kind of like if we say, hey, I just bought a new car. And you might wonder, well, did you buy a brand new car? <laughs> or did you get a, a, you bought a car that's used for yourself? Now, if I said that, it's a used car. <laughs> but, you know, that's ambiguous when we say that. Uh, and so this is sort of an ambiguous word that Jesus uses, testing Nicodemus. Are, are you thinking, Jesus is talking on a spiritual wavelength here, but how are we listening? How is Nicodemus listening? <clears throat> so Nicodemus takes that word that could be taken two ways. He takes it as above, and that's why we translate it so that what, how he responds makes sense. Uh, but Jesus means you need to be born from above. How are we listening? Are we listening with spiritual ears? Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, thinking physically, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So again, thinking, thinking fleshly and earthly, this doesn't make any sense. How, he's kind of pointing out this is a ridiculous thing you're saying because he's taking it the wrong way. 
So Jesus often speaks in these spiritual terms. You know, we can think about uh, other places where he talks about how Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the disciples think, oh, well, Lazarus is sleeping, so he's going to get better when he was sick. But then it's clarified, no, he has died. Jesus uses that figure of speech. Sometimes Jesus has talked about destroying the temple in three days and we'll rebuild it again. And people are, oh, you're going to tear down the temple. Well, he's talking about his body. Jesus is a king. And then, oh, are we, you know, are you going to overthrow Caesar and all this kind of stuff? My kingdom is not of this world. So he's not talking about childbirth here. He's talking on a spiritual wavelength. Verse five. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And so again, we have some more figures of speech to unpack here. Born again, born from above. This idea of being born born from heaven, so to speak. It's the water and the spirit are a package deal there, contrasted with the flesh. We are to be born of the water and the spirit, and we're not talking about the flesh. The water and the spirit refer to the waters of baptism and the Holy Spirit, and how those things are, are connected. If we look uh, throughout the whole Bible, we can see these these. Uh, broad themes of the spirit and water tied together. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, in the creation of the earth, the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. We see it in that occasion. We see after uh, after the, the flood of Noah, when the, the spirit blew over the waters and put those things down. Uh, we see it with the parting of the Red Sea. The spirit blew on the waters. Um, Ezekiel Chapter 36, verses 25 through 26, talks there about uh, the cleansing of the people with water and putting it in a new heart, in a new spirit within the people of God. And Nicodemus should have known these things. These are all Old Testament references. He's a, he's a teacher of the people. He's a top dog. He's a ruler, so to speak, within the Jewish teachings. And so uh, as we would progress past Nicodemus here, Acts 2.38, a very well-known passage to us. Baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. So there's water in the baptism. And, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those things are tied together. In Revelation 22, as we think of our ultimate home together with God, living in that new Jerusalem, as it's described there in Revelation 22.1, it talks about uh, this heavenly vision with a river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God. And you can't help but think this is a reference to the Holy Spirit being being there with us in that heavenly city. Another figure of speech to recognize here is, is that uh, in the original language that this was written, the words that are translated here for spirit, and then he's talking about the wind blowing, that's the, that's the same word. We translate that differently because of the context, but... Uh, the original readers and hearers of this 
would see that same thing. You know, do not marvel that I say you must be born again. The wind blows, the wind, spirit, air, breath blows around where it wishes. You hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the, the wind, spirit, breath, this is idea of the Holy Spirit. It's a rich passage. <clears throat> so let's jump to verse 9. Nicodemus reacting to this. Well, how can these things be? Again, he, he does not have his spiritual ears on. How can these things be? He is not in sync with Jesus. Are we sometimes not in sync with Jesus? Or are we sometimes baffled at what we read in, in the scriptures? Maybe maybe we don't like it because it's not it's stepping on our toes. That doesn't fit what I want to do in my life. Well, that's not the point, right? We're supposed to be transformed in our lives. Verse 10. So he's asking, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you Heavenly things. Now, Nicodemus is this top teacher, the leader, the ruler in Israel. He should be understanding what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus certainly knows what he's talking about. He's, and he's trying to use an earthly illustration here, multiple illustrations, this idea of, of birth to relate to what's, what's going on spiritually here, this idea of, of the wind and the spirit. This idea of, you know, the wind, physical wind that we we are still mystified by today, and even though science can tell us things about it, we still don't really know where the, the physical wind goes and how that works. Uh, from standing out in the field, you don't know how it works. Uh, but the same thing with the spirit. It's mysterious. We don't understand how that works. It's from God. He's trying to make it easy for him. But Jesus speaks of what he knows firsthand. He is from heaven. He is God. And he knows all of this from his own experience. Verse 13, Jesus says, No one, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, I said Jesus says, there's actually some question about, you know, we, we have our Bibles a lot of times with the red text, and uh, that's to help us figure this out. <laughs> but this could be at the point at where the narrator, John, through the Holy Spirit, is sort of narrating some things here. Perhaps, uh, just think about that. Um, but at this point, you know, has Jesus ascended into heaven? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven. You think about Jesus at this occasion here talking to Nicodemus. He certainly had come from heaven and was born of a virgin and, and rose to have his ministry there. I don't know that he had quite ascended yet back, but from John's perspective writing this in the future, uh, he may be looking back and saying these things. We can think about this reference to the, to the bronze serpent. You know, Jesus is referring to the Old Testament again. Nicodemus should be familiar with this. 
it may be more challenging for us. And when you first read that, we might think, you know, when did Moses ever lift up a stake? You know, maybe with Pharaoh, right? That's maybe a more commonly read passage where uh, he was before Pharaoh and cast down his rod and it turned into a snake and it ate the other snakes and all that. That's not that's not what Jesus is referring to here. It's talking about in the wilderness. So if we go back to Numbers 21, verses 5 through 6, we can read some things here uh, and beyond. It says, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. They were a lot of times doing that, grumbling, weren't they? Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. Verse 7, And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Now this has always been a puzzling text to me. Why is, why are, why are there serpents? Why is God bringing serpents and why is Moses being told to put a serpent on the pole? You know, you, first thing I think about is the, the devil tempting Eve in the Garden of Eden there as a serpent. Um, and the serpent was cursed after, you know, that whole thing in the garden. But, you know, sometimes God uses wicked nations on other occasions to come in and, and uh, judge his people to correct them when they've gone astray. And so maybe that's the same idea here. He, he used snakes, this cursed animal, so to speak. But what does Jesus have to do with serpents? Cursed serpent, you know. He's relating this to be lifted up. And of course, we can look at verses like Galatians 3.13, where we're told Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So, of course, Jesus was hung on a cross. I mean, this word for tree is, means wood. Jesus was hung on a wooden cross, and thereby, from the law, he was considered cursed. Not unlike the idea that this serpent from the Garden of Eden was cursed, and this idea of relating it back to that symbol in the wilderness. But yet, looking at something cursed, we have salvation in that. So God sent his, his son, Sort of like this this serpent we're thinking about. God sent his only son, part of himself, not only to leave heaven and to come to earth, but also to become cursed in our place, to die for our sins. Which leads us to John 3.16, as we continue in our text, thinking about that cursed cursed, uh, serpent in the wilderness and how it relates to Christ. For God love the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. 
But anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. So, so God loved the world? Yes, he did. And how did he show that he loved the world? He gave his only Son for us. For who? For the world. For anyone. For everyone who chooses to believe. All have sinned. You know, if we don't believe, we're already condemned. And all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But God sent his son so that we who believe will not perish, but instead will have everlasting life. Jesus didn't come to the earth the first time, here where we're reading about, with speaking with Nicodemus on the earth. Jesus didn't come to the earth first time to judge and destroy the world. That's coming later. He's coming again with his angels to bring judgment on the earth. But he came the first time to show us the way, to persuade us to be reconciled to God and to pay the price for our sins, to give us that invitation. Do we believe? Do we follow and obey his words? If we jump ahead to chapter 12 in John, chapter 12, verse 48 He says there, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The words that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. No surprises here. We're given, we're given the word of God. And what are we doing with it, right? Are we, are we applying this to our life? Do we follow and obey his words? This, this faith that we talk about in this passage isn't simply that we agree with a set of facts, but it means that we need to let our lives be transformed as we obey his words. That's what belief and faith is. But going back to our chapter 3 here in our passage, picking up in verse 19, it says here, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. He didn't come to judge the world, but to save believers. Although he came to save believers, if we choose to reject him, then there is condemnation. The light in the world has come here. This this light and darkness business being brought out here again. And, And the light is Jesus. When Nicodemus came to visit Jesus, he came at night. This idea of darkness at night. But yet he came to the light, right? He came at night. To the light. So he was seeking truth. It's a good trajectory. It's a good, it's a good move. But does he believe? Does he obey? You know, we aren't really told. We aren't really told uh, at this point. 
what happens with Nicodemus right here. It just sort of trails off and goes to other parts of, of John's narrative here. Uh, but we're kind of left with the impression that he's, he's having a hard time understanding what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus seems disappointed in him. Well, let's read uh, further on in John and see if we can figure out what happens. Because Nicodemus comes up again. John 7, verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. So, so Jesus has been saying stuff, right? He's stirring up trouble with the truth he's teaching, and people don't like it. So they're out to get Jesus again, as we see so frequently in the Gospels. And they send the temple police to go get him. But it doesn't work. And as we pick up the, the uh, narrative in verse 45, we see the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who, who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. So these, these police that come back and report about this that make a good point here about Jesus. Truly, nobody has ever spoken like Jesus. He has the words of life. He is the Son of God. He is the light of the world. And there's this rhetorical question that the Pharisees, these leaders, ask. Have any of the Jewish leaders believed in Jesus? The obvious answer they're expecting is no. But what about Nicodemus? I feel like I have a nagging question in my mind about Nicodemus. And if we look at the next verse, sure enough, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before in chapter 3, and who was one of them, I think he's just saying he was one of the Pharisees here. I kind of wonder, is he saying, is he one of the disciples? Go figure that out. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he, what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. It's, it's not really clear where, where uh, Nicodemus stands. I mean, he's, he's defending Jesus here, but he kind of backs down. He's sort of bringing out a point of order, so to speak. As Americans, the right to a fair trial kind of thing, we, we resonate with that. Um, he's sort of defending Jesus and sort of not. Because it just drops there. He doesn't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these guys anymore. He just drops it. But if we jump to 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 42, it says there, Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. But for fear, for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So many of the authorities, that's pretty ambiguous. I can't help but think Nicodemus, I mean, he, 
He's showing some good signs off and on. He believes in him, maybe, but he's afraid, so he's not going all the way with that. He sort of believes, but won't confess. He won't obey or follow him. Does that ever describe me? Do I ever get in situations where maybe I aren't, I'm not giving the best testimony and living my faith when things get difficult and awkward with peer pressure and those sorts of things? Do we agree with God, but do our actions sometimes not show it? We meet Nicodemus again in chapter 19 after Jesus has been crucified. John 19, verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, there's someone else, secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the, the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. And so, you know, this this is a good sign, I guess, that he, is this, is he getting there now? <laughs> uh, he spent a lot of money on these uh, 75 pounds. I heard someone saying that was, you know, so many hundreds of thousands of dollars in today's money that that would cost. Uh, but, is that the true mark of, of faith? It's a good sign. I don't know. I don't know that I can answer the question about where Nicodemus is in this in this faith journey. But, but you know, it is a faith journey. And we're, we're all on a journey, right? Somewhere on that spectrum from darkness to light, from doubting to believing. We're believing with fear and we need to grow it and become more bold. Timidity to boldness. From the old life to the new birth. So that's the question for each of us. Where where are you along the way? Where am I? Are we still in darkness? Are you seeking truth? Do you have questions? That's a good thing. It was good that Nicodemus came and talked to Jesus and asked these questions. But how do we what do we do next, right? How do we let it do we let the answers transform our life? Or do we turn away? Are you stumbling in your faith? That seems to be the way some of these who believed but were afraid and didn't really follow Jesus seems to fit to that category. Are you growing to be more like Jesus? The light of the world, walking as children of light? Have you been born from above? Have you been born of water and the Spirit? You know, Jesus, it's actually seven times as I looked it up. Jesus, there's seven times in John that there's different iterations of follow me, where Jesus is saying, you know, they don't follow me or whatever. There's seven different occasions where Jesus mentions this idea of follow me. He calls the, the disciples to him, follow me. So that's, that's a, a call to each of us. 
Jesus wants us to follow him. And I encourage you to press on in your faith. I encourage you to lean on your church family. If you're struggling with things, that's what the church family is for. And also be there for others. There's two sides of that coin, right? Maybe we're struggling, we need someone. But we also need to be that someone for someone else. So tonight, as we think about the invitation, you know, do you need the prayers of the church? Do you need to be baptized for forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as we read about? Do you need to study some more about some of these things? How can we help you? We encourage you to respond to the invitation. We're going to sing this song. Why do you wait, dear sinner? It's kind of an urgent matter, isn't it? This life and death of whether we're going to be, have eternal life or eternal condemnation. So I would encourage you, as we stand and sing this song, to respond to the invitation. I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love